Hey everybody, did you know that cat scratch disease is a thing? It's a disease that spreads when an infected cat licks a person's open wound or bites or scratches a person hard enough to break the surface of the skin. Check out more fun facts like these in this new episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast. Hey everybody, Ned Buskirk here again with your Going to Die, the podcast, your Creatively Conscious Mortality podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Okay, so I do want to get to sharing this conversation with you rapidly, but just a couple things I want to I want to note and highlight about it. I want to highlight the laughter that Dorota Stealth and I share. And it matters to me to say so because I think the podcast lends itself to being pretty intense sometimes, and that's okay. Obviously, by now, if you've been listening for a while, you know me well enough to get that that's totally okay, and it's part of the point, making room for these hard feelings, hard emotions, hard parts of life. But I want to also acknowledge what I've been feeling lately, which is kind of present in almost every space that I facilitate, all of our events, so much of the work that we do as a nonprofit. It is that when we have the great big catharsis of the dark, hard parts, the hard emotions, there's no better laugh than the laugh that follows that. And I remember when my mom died, the days after she died, there was this balance of me crying suddenly and constantly, but also just euphoria and deep, deep guttural laughter with people that I love who I got to be with after my mom died, who came to the memorial, came to the funeral, came to celebrate her and honor her life and death. And I connect that to a conversation like this. I mean, trigger warning. We talk about suicide in this episode. We talk about a lot of death, a lot of illness, a lot of loss. And I'd say we laugh as much as we talk about the dark stuff. And what a refreshing thing to share with you, our listener, because there is that worry I have that what we're putting out in the world with the podcast like this and so much of what we do is is heavy. It's heavy to bear. And I don't want people leaving these experiences feeling heavier or worse off than when they arrive. And I think hopefully your experience with the podcast, if you've been listening for a while, is that that's not what happens. And if you're joining us for the first time, I hope you can rest assured with this episode that it's a really light and joyful access point and still makes room to talk about the hard parts of life. And so I acknowledge Stealth and Dorota for being people that I instantly feel like I'm friends with. And so then we get to really go there in the most raw ways And we very naturally, I think, had a good time talking. I'm just going to speak for myself. I don't know what they feel. Um, They may have hated hated every moment of it. But you decide. And I hope you enjoy the conversation like I did. Even listening to it, listening to the laughter, making me laugh, the meta meta experience prepping this episode and really enjoying our happiness and 
how tenderized we get by talking about these these things, these hard parts of being mortal. And that's it. And there is a trigger warning, as if you need it. You started listening to a podcast titled You're Going to Die. It's a death threat. It's a fact of life. It's intense. It's a trigger. And this conversation has lots of stuff, like I said, including suicide ideation, touched on a bit. So just a heads up um, for all of you listening, that sensitivity, be aware. Dorota Shuda and Stealth Olvang are the songsmiths of the desert grunge trio Heavy Gus. Based in the eastern Sierra small town of Bishop, California, their music draws from small town vignettes and the exploration of their relationship together. Stealth has toured as pianist of folk rock band The Lumineers for over a decade, and Dorota has leaned at times into a career as a biologist. The dynamic of the two and their twirling, traveling romance makes for stories retold in a new alpine glow of light. And I think that puts it well. Hope you enjoy this episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast with Dorota Shuda and Stealth Olvang of the band Heavy Gus. Stealth and I had been dating on and off for a long chunk of time. And then at some point we decided to like do it properly. Mm-hmm. We like moved in together. We're doing the whole primary relationship, prioritizing each other thing. And we were in that for, I don't know, a couple years. And then it there was like a period of time that was maybe over the course of like two months that was just like really awful. Like, um, like three or four, I like blur it all out now, but friends mm. of ours all died within a short period of time. Oh, wow. Um, and stealth was on tour and I was home and I just remember we would have so many uh, Skype calls. That's the era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. Um, <laughs> a little throwback. <laughs> just to give okay. you guys the real historical context, this was yeah. when Skype was a thing. Yeah, and we would just <laughs> Skype and like not talk and just cry. Mm. And then I... Are you talking about us? Yeah. And then I had (laughs) this, um, like, lump right here on my collarbone, and I went Mm. to the doctor, and I was like, hey, uh, I know this is probably not a big deal because, like, bodies do weird things all the time, but I Googled it, and it said that, like, maybe it's cancer. So, like, you know, tell me it's not cancer. Mm. And my doctor was like, uh, that's Mm. not good. And, um... Immediately scheduled me for a biopsy. Oh, wow. And they did like a little needle biopsy and they were, mm-hmm. this, it didn't cut it. So then they had to <laughs> cut it. So yeah. then they had to um, cut surgically <laughs> remove it uh, yeah. to test it. And at mm. that point, that surgeon was like, he was like, you know, it's very likely lymphoma. Um and this was like the fall. And I remember being like, well, I, I want to like 
go visit my family in Chicago for Christmas and I was just about to buy those flights, like, is that a thing I should do? Or are we talking like treatment? And the surgeon was like, I would not buy your flights to Chicago right now. Yeah. And it was just already on top of like a friend of ours got in a car accident and died. And then a friend got in a motorcycle accident. Then another friend had a heart aneurysm. And it just was all in such a short Mm -hmm. period of time that we were just like completely depleted and Mm. raw and, I just feel like I was only grieving like all of Can the I time. Can I pipe in? Yeah. There, yeah, there was a point where we stopped. Um, we count at, at the end of 2016, nine relatively close friends had passed. Nine? And nine. Um, and there was a point where like we were seen as kind of bad people because we refused to keep going to funerals. You guys like, did I think stop. You were like, do it no anymore. one thought we were bad people. <laughs> I don't know. There was just a little bit of judgment sometimes. And yeah, I don't think, you know, everybody understands that people grieve differently. And there is a point where, you know, we, we really wouldn't have any other excuse except for just being like, I don't want to go to another funeral this weekend. Yeah, which is a pretty and big statement. Whether people are giving you shit about it or not, like there's feelings about that. Like it's it's that's a big deal, you know? Right. Well, we yeah, went to one funeral that was really, um, really fucking depressing in not the way that a funeral should be depressing. And we just came home so, so angry mm-hmm. that we just like. I tried to up, fight a priest. We like that wrestled one? each other at home. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Wait. Okay. Hold on. Cause well, that first I thought you said you wrestled the priest, but you guys wrestled <laughs> at home to get out the aggression. Yes. Cause we were just so mad because mm-hmm. it was a friend who. No, I said I tried to wrestle a priest. <laughs> you tried to fight a priest. And then I said we wrestled. I did try to fight a priest. You I, did. I said, and then we wrestled at home. Can we talk about yeah. that experience? The funeral that was, that was depressing and, and why it was depressing. Would you be comfortable talking about that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it was a friend of mine that I lived with and traveled with a lot in my, like, when I should have been going to college years. Um, I feel like a phony saying college years because I just kind of... It was like really. one month. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I was surrounded by people going to college. College days is good because he literally was. <laughs> yeah. And also people be like, oh, when you went to college, cool. Me too. <laughs> All right, so during your college uh, days. <laughs> yeah, and... <laughs> And, uh, no, he's just a good, a close roommate and he was an artist and, uh, an actor and a musician. Like he did all this very, very artistic friend. And we were and, living in Santa Cruz and he had just moved to live with his family in Santa Rosa and was having a pretty bleak time there. It was like living with have an you been, aunt maybe. Have you been to Santa Rosa? Yeah. Okay. I've, it's I've, great I've there, done- but. Let me be careful about sharing about this. Um, I've been, I've done a few shows there. Mm. I think that's all. Mm. And we'll leave it at that. <laughs> no, well, it, it, I get, I get some context there. <clears throat> this was a friend who I saw him uh, about a month before he took his own life, and and I we saw we visited him in, in our, Santa Rosa. We were the last kind of of our group of friends mm. to have seen him, and we kind of reported back to people who hadn't really been hearing from him. He's not really looking good. And so on top of the story with suicide, which is a lot of like, I, yeah. if there was something else I could have done, 
Um, he was uh, out gay man, and his parents were highly religious, and he had just moved back with them and was living in like a very dark place of not really non acceptance, mm-hmm. non acceptance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at this service that we went to, because we were some of the we were close enough to go up to Santa Rosa, it was very frustrate a very frustrating experience having heard someone talk the way that they talked about him. Mm. The narrative read, was like the devil finally got him or some mm-hmm. shit. You know, I don't remember the yep. exact wording, but it was like yeah, his guessed. transgressions led him to here. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and they was, read his suicide note out loud at this event. Um, at this funeral. And then they crossed stuff out that he said, and they skipped some stuff because they, so they like had edited it. And then they would stop in the middle of reading it and be like, and what he meant by this was wow. da, 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 da. Mm. And I, I was uh, seething and I ran mm. up there and I, and I grabbed this note from this guy and I was like, the priest that was reading it. And I was like, let me, he's like, I can't Stealth give it to you. In I was the like, middle of it, you went up just, and you, wow. After. Right as it, right, okay, right after all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. And then we just were like, it's hard because his, even since then, uh, you know, I I was really close to him and I'd met his mother. I'm one of his only friends who had met his mother and we'd gone to his house that day. She has reached out to me in her own like attempt at grief. And I still haven't found Mm -hmm. a way to like respond Mm -hmm. without, I I, I just, you know, I ignore that uh, connection and Again, around this time of everybody dying, like I was like, I'm not going to spend energy like helping this person grieve. Yeah. That I feel like angry with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is all to say, right at the time, you know, Ghost Ship was also right around this time, if you mm-hmm. remember that. Um, there Did were, you know people it was like, <clears throat> and um, yeah, sorry to hear. And, and, and then did you say did we know people? I was that? wondering if you all knew. Yeah, I, I certainly we, yeah, we knew some people. Some we didn't have like yeah. close friends, but we just knew mm-hmm. some people in the like it was just like community. everyone the and then uh, through that were real significant. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. There was the Trump election that was just kind of like a rug pulled out from a lot of people. Um dare I say the majority. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably um, good chance in this context you're you've got a majority. Um Okay. <laughs> And, uh, and yeah, and this is like how many months into your relationship or first year or two? This is, yeah, maybe like one, one year into us kind of deciding that we're actually going to commit to living with each other. Yeah. This is a year and a a year and a half. Yeah. Um, and maybe like five years into the on and off back and forth. Yeah. Did you guys have like a feeling of what are we what are we a part of or like why, uh, why, why our community in this way? Like how are we somehow like a part of a context that would just bring this much death in, you know, like how we just start to be like, what the fuck is going on? You know, did you feel like you guys talked a lot about that or felt much of that when you were losing so many community members? I didn't feel that way. I felt more like, cause we come from different stuff, had a world in Colorado. I had a world in Santa Cruz and we have over the years like become a part of those worlds, but we had deaths from both sides. And I just, when it came to talking about it felt like, like there just wasn't enough room to grieve everyone. 
And like, I didn't want to take away from stealth grieving his friends with me grieving my friends. And it just ended in a lot of like us, just a lot of silent crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah. D- there was some like, for me, like internally a little bit of like, what the fuck? Why? But I think more just like, well, this is it. This is our world. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't understand. Right. How there was, why, a, there was but- a point where I was on a bus in Leipzig, Germany in on tour and I saw that my my friend's girlfriend was calling me. And even though it's the middle of the night, I'm like, well, that's the middle of the day there. And it was like, even before I picked up the phone, I was like, there's no reason she would call me unless he's dead. And sure enough, like she's crying on the phone. And I'm like, I already fucking know. Like, there's no mm-hmm. way. The last two times that somebody had died in the week prior, this was in the end of October, six years ago. Uh, exactly. Now. Yeah. Um, I had already lost two friends. And mm-hmm. so at this point, uh, one of their friends, you know, my friend's girlfriend who's calling me up, who never calls me, I was like, oh shit, here we go again. And there's that idea that it came in threes. Yeah. And then when it also had kind of come in threes with Dorota, I was like, oh, there's going to be a third, mm-hmm. uh, batch. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's squared now at this mm-hmm. point, like there's going right. to be nine. Like I really mm-hmm. remember thinking that before yeah, there were nine right. deaths mm-hmm. that I was like, Oh, well then, and and there's this idea with um, surfing. I lived in Hawaii for a while and I was just a terrible surfer, but I watched a lot of documentaries and read about it. And I was like, I'm going to be such a sick surfer. And I was not, Um, (laughs) but there's this idea Documentaries should lead to that, but (laughs) for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) I should have surfed more. No, I, I, uh, there's that idea that like uh, wave sets come in threes as well these big mm-hmm. waves. And if you get pummeled on these big wave surfers, and I lived on the North Shore of Hawaii and I would go and watch these guys get pulled in by jet skis, you know, but if you get pummeled by the first wave, you basically have, uh, to swim down half the distance of the wave before you're kind of like safe from the trough. Mm-hmm. And if you can get down to the, like the sand or the yeah. bottom and find a rock, you're just supposed to hold your breath, yeah, hold onto a rock until while the, the other two pass. waves pass. Right. Yeah. And then you come up, and so for me, once I was like, oh, this is just the just the beginning of this, mm-hmm. I just was like, well. Give me, give me that rock. And I think Dorota and I living in our dark garage in Santa Cruz, just like. <laughs> like dark, moldy garage. Yeah. Clutched to each oh. other. <laughs> yeah. Do you think it like deepened y'all's early connect? You know, for Sarah and I, my mom died and I started dating Sarah she came to the funeral and ready like that. We'd only just gone on a couple of dates by that point. So it was like very clear. She was, I'm coming, I'll be there. Yeah. And so we really, it was hard and we broke up yeah. in the, those early months of our relationship, but also the like clarity with which it gave us about how we love each other or what really matters or how little time we have. That kind of influence was really strong. Did you feel that way with these deaths? Did it, what was that Definitely. impact? I'm sure it could be all of it, right? It also made it I hard, mean, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's where this is all sort of leading is like, it was just so depleting and sad and exhausting and at the same time deepening our relationship. And from a existential point of view, being like, 
like me also, long story short, everything turned out fine. And my like, uh, yeah. lymph node stuff wound up being, uh, I rescued a litter of kittens whose mom got hit by a car and they were all living in the garage with me. And, uh, I got cat scratch disease. Turns out that's a thing. <laughs> Beyond the wait, song, what? wait, Which what? Wait, imitates, hold on. Uh, wait, you, wait. <laughs> oh my gosh, I've so never cool. heard of this before. So you got scratched. It, it on imitates the shoulder. lymphoma really closely. Yeah, oh yeah. My. It like it targets lymph nodes and like wow, makes them freak out. So I had this like huge thing here. Anyway, um, wait, hold on. Not anyway. Real quick. That, wait, hold on. Yeah. How did they? How do they finally be like? Oh, it's cat scratch disease. You know what I mean? Like, how do they well, get yeah. to that? They well they we got a probably cat scratch. They like when we got the no on the cancer. I see. Cause they did a biopsy like, and for sure it was any, like, you're any fine. Any chance you guys mm-hmm. have uh, like, rescued a litter of kittens. Yeah, mom basically. Has been he's hit like, in my car in the last few months. He's like, you had contact with some like crazy cats. <laughs> wow. Like, uh, yeah. I told you that, that like three months ago. <laughs> It's the first thing I said when I met you. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. So that they they did the biopsy, found out it was cat scratch disease. Yeah. But I was also on like the state health insurance, and so my time in between appointments, right. they're like, "Oh yeah, we'll get you in in it's like five seven years, seven weeks." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, you six, just found great. out last week, yeah, that you don't have yeah. cancer. Got it. And so we were for a long time living like grieving the deaths of all of our friends, mm-hmm. also thinking that like. I was probably going to start mm. chemo soon. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I was like, yeah. had gone through all of the processing. And I got to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. Like, I'm shaving mm-hmm. my head tomorrow. It's like, who knows how and long Jordan, I have. Your community had all, you were dating a guy like four years prior who got lymphoma. At, yeah, you guys close. did the whole meal drain. Yeah. You did the whole thing. Okay. Everyone rallied. Now he's doing great. Uh, so it also like I've, I'd seen it. It felt yeah. like real. Very anyway, close, we thought real, I was yeah. going to die sooner than we do now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then we were right. How long do you think <laughs> that you time now? <laughs> and, <laughs> and in, <laughs> yeah, now we got anywhere from like three to 70 years. Um, okay, great. Yeah. Um, and so in all of that, we were kind of coming at it from the existential point of being like, who knows, I may die soon. And then also the like uh, practical point of like, at that point, stealth was like making more money than me and mm-hmm. was in a better place financially. And I was kind of like scrapping by. Mm-hmm. And I had this thought. I talked to a friend that was like, uh, truly, he was like, oh, I just got married, uh, you know, to be on someone's health insurance, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and at the time I did have a different health insurance than you, but then we were reading about, um, power of attorney. Mm -hmm. And in a way it's kind of this idea that like this person is like your closest family. Yeah. And I was like thinking if it were like me on some deathbed and they would like bring my mom in, bless her heart. Like, I don't know that she actually knows what's bet like yeah. the, what I would want or what yeah. I want for the people around me or that kind of thing. And so this idea of family started emerging in a um, legal sense. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or I was like, oh shit, like Dorota is my most family that I've mm-hmm. ever had. Yeah. Like, and I never thought of like, we were just dating. Like I dated everyone before that. It's just as like, hope this works out well. And then it, you know, before that didn't. Um, but this time there was just that realization that you're like building a family. You're with everybody that you date, with your friends, you know, mm-hmm. with the community, with people you work with, you're like developing this thing where people know you better than the people that like used to know you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it was that partially that I think we were like, Oh God, like even if I, even if it were something to happen to me on tour, I don't want, I, I, I want Dorota to like who knows me better than anyone. Again, we'd known each other about five or six years at this point, but um, had been dating solid for a year and a half. Yeah. And was so, it was so obvious. I was like, Oh shit. Like this person's just true family. Yeah. Um, and it was that with like, I was digging through separate, you mind if I jump over to this? Please. Uh, Unless Dorota has something to add into that piece. No, go on. Mm-hmm. I'll I, jump in later. I just was, I was digging through my, uh, my, I, I was going, I went over to my friend's girlfriend's house who had, my, my, my friend who had passed of an aortic aneurysm, um, Tyler Dupre, and a uh, great fucking musician. So good. Maybe, yeah, Wes, uh, just released a cover of his too called um little sound mm. there's a great you know lumineers cover of this guy so we all loved him great best karaoke performer i've ever seen in my life Tyler hands down yeah. the best and i was walking uh oh anyway i'm 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 sorting through stuff with her and i'm kind of going uh you know this was this is the, his stuff. I rem- he was in a lot of different bands. You know, this is kind of stuff that you could probably, she wanted to donate a lot of musical equipment to the school. And I was like, you know, this is stuff you would probably want to hang on to. This is st- stuff that like is otherwise useless without this other thing. Kind of like very technical. Yeah. Um, and anyway, she had found like a hidden note and, uh, and ring that he had in his drawer that was like his preparation to, mm-hmm. uh, proposing to her oh my god and i don't know if anything is like more heartbreaking than Mm. that because then to me there was this idea of like i just like hated that he waited Mm. and i don't know if it would have been better for her to if he had asked her Mm. been like this is how much i love you right is i want to marry you yeah and then died i don't know if that's Mm. the better like order of operations gosh and yeah did he know it was just waiting there like that she but, would inevitably find it. Mm. It's just so fucked up that way. Mm-hmm. To, for her to like come upon it yeah. and be like, oh shit. Mm. I don't know. Oh. And so for me, it was like so instantaneous mm-hmm. at that point. I was like, well, why wouldn't I? Yeah. Okay. You'd already, I see. I see. Marry this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't wait. And, and it's so funny then, to like, yeah. <laughs> so then I don't really wear jewelry at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. At the time I was doing, I like was scuba diving for work. Um, and so you like can't. Biology. Jewelry. Biology. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, anyway, not a jewelry person. Still wanted to propose. Didn't know my ring size because there's nothing to measure. Yeah. Not and even so, a ring to check. Correct. And so, uh, when I was under anesthesia <laughs> for this biopsy. What? 
He's like, now's my chance. Are you serious? This is amazing. I can't believe how many ways you are tying everything together, you guys. I can't believe somehow cat scratch disease connects to Tyler, connects to, wow. And so he snuck the uh, nurse a piece of string and was like, can you just oh, measure this around so her finger awesome. and like, just mark Self. with a little marker. Yeah, bro. And I was coming out of anesthesia and I'm one to like make stupid jokes in the regular time, <laughs> but then especially if I'm on drugs. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, just waking. And this man is like holding my hand and, doing something with this ring finger and i totally forgot this but was reminded later yeah but i was like oh my god are you proposing to me right now (laughs) i do nurse (laughs) i do nurse And, and he was like fuck i'm caught um but i was just like on a lot of drugs and he said two minutes later i was just checking an, an oxygen level uh, and then he came the in string. and he brought me this piece of string and this nurse was like shaking oh, and he was like, oh, I really hope I didn't mess it up. But, and he That's was like, fantastic. I don't know how to do this. I'm sorry. I, I've never done this before. And I was like, I like that you can be like very skilled in your mm. field as a nurse and mm. be like, just tell me like how big around this <laughs> circumference yeah, yeah. is all good. That's, That's like really a very what simple broke him. Yeah. <laughs> He did a great job. It fits Looks so like well. It fits. Yeah. Like a string. Our um, friend who lives in Santa Rosa made the rings for us. Oh, nice. Speaking of Santa Rosa. Um, Not these, so bad after all. Yeah, these really cats, out. <laughs> These cats that were living with me in the garage. Oh, bring it back to the cats. Yeah. Sweet, sweet kittens. <laughs> just a little tangent. Um, one of my best friends lives in this like beautiful home with our beautiful family in Aptos. Mm. But it's like, it's a little more country than our Santa mm-hmm. Cruz living. Like they had pigs, they had chickens, you know, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. They like face death on a more regular basis mm-hmm. than we do outside of this like terrible year of tragedies. <laughs> yeah. Um, Weren't they in a commercial for a um, hospice yes. center? <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't a hospice center. It was about getting your whole family uh, cremated uh, together. <laughs> no, no, like turned into trees, I think. <laughs> Yeah, oh, like yeah, eventually, right. like when you bury them and a tree grows out of your body or something. Yes, it was like right. there's. I cannot this photo believe how many them. connections you guys are slinging at me right now. Like this is so rich. <laughs> really, I, I was like, like, they're gonna be like, yeah. So anyway, we started dating, and you are connecting everything. <laughs> okay, keep going. So they they double tangent like did this family it's this they're this couple with these two young children and they did a photo shoot of the four of them in the woods where they live and the photo (laughs) was the image for this like get your family when you die when your family dies you all can be trees (laughs) and they're aren't they next to their um they're next to like an albino redwood that's there they are i don't know if you know about this but wow they uh I had these three kittens and my favorite one, Buster Kitten, um, went to them and I had a really hard time saying goodbye, even though mm. I knew it was going to be cared for so well. It's like one of my best friends, yeah. her family, they're it like almost wonderful. almost you. I, I don't know why you love that. Yeah. I, I just point. love any creature when you get Not cats. You don't love cats. Only because I've never had one. Um, but I loved these cats. Anyway, so Why'd I dropped the cat Why'd you give your favorite one away? House. Cause I am, I didn't need a cat. 
Okay, you got rid of all house. the cats, she and they gave, gave you lymphoma. Yeah. Right, so you're like, yeah, I was like, yeah. get on out. Um, <laughs> yeah. I travel too much for for this yes creature. Um, and I just remember showing up at their house on my way to work to give them the cat, and I mm. was just crying. And mm. the kids who were maybe like seven ish didn't understand why I was crying because they're like, what's going on? We're getting a kitten. Like, why are you crying? Yeah, why are you bummed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and then um, they reassure forward. you just like when this cat dies, it will become a tree, by the way. So just don't worry about it. You're giving it to the right family. <laughs> well, fast forward a few months later and this family also has like a vineyard. I mean, it's like a, it's not like a fancy vineyard. It's like a, they have some grapes. They, whatever. All right, just a kind of garden vineyard. Gar- your garden variety vineyard. Middle class um, vineyard. <laughs> Not like a Santa Rosa vineyard. Got it. Got this it. This is like it. an Aptos vineyard. Um, got it. And they had like a annual. The mom and the son have a birthday at the same time, and the, as which is the same time as the like annual picking of the grapes for the winemaking. And it's like a whole community event. And we're, we're, um, picking the grapes for their like birthday party wine celebration. And, um, the littler of the kids, Maxine, who was like, I don't know, maybe six. We're like picking grapes and chatting about kids stuff. And then I was like, how's Buster Thelma? She called it. And she was like, Dorota, we don't know how to tell you this, but <laughs> I mean, she's this little Thelma. girl's like, God, just Dorota gets very emotional about. Yeah, uh, and this it was so funny to have the news broken to me so we don't gently know how to and thoughtfully you. by a child. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, yeah, Thelma was outside and got eaten by a coyote. Oh man. But and she just like so tenderly broke me this news mm. about her kitten mm-hmm. dying. But she knew. Yeah, wow. she's like this girl's going to be a fucking mess. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah. Goodness. But I don't know where the other two kittens are. Don't tell me anyone cuz I can't take it. How do you freshly ask someone four weeks in a row to support your podcast that you care a lot about? I guess today the way to do it is to click record and just see what happens. I have no plan here. Part of me just wants to say, I don't want to do this every time. I want to stop this episode. And instead of doing that, I want to say thank you. You know, all of you. Deep deep, deep gratitude for all you listeners, everyone that's done ratings and reviews, all you patrons via our Patreon account, all you people that have shared the episode. I've seen a lot of episode sharing happening online, especially via social media this this month. And so, yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. It's just a moment to say, hey, we're really grateful that you make this so worthwhile. This thing that inherently is worthwhile. 
Like I've said many times before, I almost feel like I have no choice but to say, yeah, I want to keep doing that. Boy, though, doesn't it help to have that feeling met by other people saying, yes, please, more please. So, yeah, that's it. I'm not going to say, hey, go into your Apple podcast and click five stars and leave some words of acknowledgement. I'm not going to tell you if you're listening via Spotify to (laughs) take a second out of your day while you're listening to this podcast already to click a rating and review option, whatever app you're listening in, I'm not going to just say, Hey, see if you can leave a review or, or click five stars. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to do that. I'm not going to ask you to become a patron via our Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash YG2D. Like I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to say thank you to all of you who have already done all these things. It means so much. Thank you all. The end. Or there's more podcasts, but that's just the end of me talking about this. Okay. Bye. I mean, I'll be talking in a second with the guests. Okay. Keep listening. I think that I, for me, it just like fundamentally changed me, like, which, which, well, you know, it's little fingers went out into everything, including all of my relationships and my songwriting and just every part of me. And I think what I was left with, I just kind of continued to go into life with this, like, like borderline nihilistic approach. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, like I'll write a love song and then like a specific example is writing this love song. And then there's the lyric, um, weird that you thought that anything mattered, which is sort of just my like, Hey, that's a love song for me. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Just wanted to break the news stuff. Yeah, but it, I definitely left that whole season with this like. How could you? Nothing, nothing matters. So yeah. why not? Yeah. Approach, but not in a sad way. Not at all. Just, um, I don't think of it as a sad way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I also got better at like taking risks and not giving a fuck. Yeah. Um, artistically and otherwise, um, I think that like, yeah, it doesn't feel sad to me. Until you had a kid. Oh yeah. And then everything changed. But until then, I want to get to Well, now I'm like, oh shit matters in a, in a immediate way. Yeah. But it's like, it's a both. Is it both kind of, you still got that like edge from that loss and the, you know, that part of your life I'm, I'm projecting, I'm thinking like my mom's death, my mother, my mother's death is just like, it infuses my relationship with my kids. My kids infuse my relationship to everything else in a way, you know, it's like, it's kind of like the meeting of all that, you know, 
Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. That was very general, but it, there's, there's something to this, like, I can't go through a day or a week without thinking I'm different because of my mom's death and my mother-in-law's death. Like, what, who would I be in the world if I hadn't suffered those losses? Um, yeah. And that's good and bad in a way, you know, my version of it, you know, is this like, sit, like I go into those cancer patients and sitting with them and feeling like, grateful and, 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 and get to talk to you guys, like feeling like so glad that this trajectory of that loss has me here, like definitively the cancer patients, like really, you know, that I'm with them because of my mom, you know, and she died from cancer. But then, so it's, it's that, you know, I just so, so grateful to talk to you too. Right. And know that it's because of that. And just the feeling that I brought in when we first started talking, which is like this, like, fuck, man. Like, what is the point? Why is this so hard? You know? Um, so do you think there is this, when the, when Casper comes into the world, it's a total overhaul of some of those like perspectives or is there more of a, maybe like a lightning? I don't know. What is it? I think that I go from like a nihilistic place into a more like, I don't know, embodied place with purpose or something because Here. suddenly something does. Yeah. Yeah. Cause now it does matter. And I still have those like leanings toward like this just like existential soup that my brain lives in. But now like, I don't know. Casper had like a rough beginning of life. There was mm-hmm. a lot of, hospital time and emergencies and there was like a a stretch where there was like a moment in all this chaos where like yeah we were at the hospital and we had been there for like a week and stealth and I were just like trying to find lightness like how we do in anything hard and I remember then a nurse or a doctor a doctor coming in and being like he almost died like from a kind of judgy place of being like, you guys seem really happy and light or something. Um, wow. But like, we were just trying to like make it through this like really yeah. hard thing and trying and like, we had just been living in the hospital for a week and like hadn't gone outside and we're just like trying to find moments of like joy. Mm. Um, if only was- we had that first nurse that <sighs> <sighs> measured it. <his finger. laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm trying to imagine him in the college. That nurse had some bedside manners. <laughs> but um, what do you think just, that nurse was trying to do to you then with that? <laughs> I think she just was like, "You, you fools don't understand the severity <clears throat> of this situation." But to me, like Casper, I just care so much about him in this way that I've never cared about anything. Sorry, stealth. I mean, it's just a different way. It's part of the deal. Um, And like, maybe this is too dark to talk about on here, but. Uh, The podcast name is called You're Going to Die. Okay. If Casper had died, which was on the table, it felt like, Mm -hmm. um, I for sure would have killed myself. Mm. Like, like there's no way I could continue um 
like what's the point <laughs> after that um and like he's doing great now <laughs> but i say that to be like going from this mentality of like right lyric weird that you thought that anything mattered to being like this matters so much um um yeah stealth uh i i want to i want you to kind of like throw your perspective in the mix here but i'm also just wanting to say what i hear right now which is um this what i think is special about casper's influence and in having a child at least this is I think a way I relate to what you're describing is this access point. You say it's embodied. Like that's a very specific way of saying like some kind of opposite or something in contrast to the nihilism. And the reason why it's possible and, and they could maybe even coexist, at least in my experience, these, these perspectives can coexist is because there's something about like, I could feel that stuff in bed in the morning. Like I did this morning and I did. And that darkness, <clears throat> And then to get up and have the kids come into the space and be like, right here, like my presence, the way it's needed, how they are being present, like that moment, there's a way that my aliveness is just kind of explodes and, and sort of just demolishes or at least diminishes all that other stuff that if I didn't have the kids, you know, that stuff would run the show probably most of the yeah. time. Yeah. Is this also yeah, why you started taking that. antidepressants? Was that for me or Dorota? Who are you talking to? <laughs> uh, that's for you, Ned. Uh, that is I, the reason, I, that reason right there is why I started taking antidepressants. Mm. Because there was a point where I realized that even if I was feeling uncontrollably sad and inoperable and I just wanted to lay in bed, that wasn't an option. Yeah. And before when it was with me and no offense, Dorota with Dorota, I could just <laughs> lay there and truly be like, what the fuck is the point? Mm. And there was a, yeah, there was a point where you just have to get up and do this stuff. And, uh, I've been pretty opposed to that world yeah, for a lot of my sure. life. Um, and then I was like, no, nah, it's fine. I mean, medicine saved his life once, so it might as well do it again in another form. Yeah, uh, that's powerful. And and I'll say that uh, I didn't. I've never taken antidepressants, but I I would say that my consideration for them would only fall into the context of the parenting stretch. Yeah, <clears throat> knowing like the times when I'm real bad off, if something could, like you said, like you're like what you're explaining, if something could help me like release that or lighten above it a bit, you know, um, for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. For real. Are you guys uh, like hearing stuff from each other right now? Or it's like, would have committed suicide? Like was happily just, no, she says that all, all the time about that. <laughs> yeah. Specifically. <laughs> she has made it very known that like, I shall not, uh, I shall do everything in my power to make sure Casper doesn't die. <laughs> And luckily, no offense, Dorota, I am always doing that. Just not really for you. You're not the first reason I'm making sure he doesn't die. Yeah, I don't want it to be for me. Good, yeah. Okay, great. But in that okay. in that time, I like told a few close friends. I was like, hey, just like FYI. Mm -hmm. yeah. If Casper dies, I'm going to kill myself. And like 
don't feel bad about it. Yeah. This is like a choice and this yeah. is the thing. Yeah. Mm. Well, and y'all were talking about myself, it. <laughs> well, the difference, the thing is, is like, you know, here, can I, can I reframe it a bit? Is it okay if I just try to yeah, yeah. make this a gift for you stealth? <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> it is this like, you know, that's you though, you know, like your life with Casper, you, you three. Yeah. Like, you know, you hear the stories of what it is for a parent to be with someone else, to stay in a couple after losing a child. Like, I wonder what the statistics are, how impossible, you know? Yeah. Because in a way, that loss has you die too, a little stealth, you know? And so this, and I don't need to explain this, but maybe even for the listeners, you know, and for me, there's this little bit of wanting to acknowledge you Dorota, and I so appreciate your honesty about this and and especially in a culture that isn't great about dealing with suicide ideation, I think mostly um that there is a way that <clears throat> it makes sense and that it does connect to like not just even Casper, like of course Casper's the center of it then, but that it's like your all all your life, your whole new lives together as a family would have would have been torn from you the way you were relating to stealth in like this new stage as a father would have been would have died with casper Mm, you know and just feeling the like how could anything be worthwhile to lose all that yeah you know also just on top of that man postpartum depression is a real thing (laughs) Mm, yeah (laughs) hormones are wild you were doing you were having that while casper was uh dealing with the health stuff how long was the postpartum? It was kind of in month. Yeah. Um, the first three three or four months. Mm, yeah. Wow, that's a long stretch, you guys. Like, wow. Ned, today, today is Halloween. What? what, what? And our, <laughs> oh. our child, oh, Casper, loves- Can we talk about that? Loves dice. Mm. And so we dressed up. I I painted two giant boxes to look at like <laughs> yeah. dice. Yeah. And then as I was painting them today, I thought of this pun that- People are going to be like, oh, like the, nobody's going to ask what we are because obviously we're just like two boxes right. with black dots painted on them. Yeah. But I was thinking, oh, we're everybody's greatest fear. Um, we are two die. Yep. Oh, everybody's greatest fear is to die at a party. To die. We at are a party. Go- we are going to this party as to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We are going to as going to, to die. die. You're-, <laughs> You're going um. to die. <laughs> dinner that would make them sleep all right stop along the street and see the horses standing there they're the bakeries half dozen made with sage and dust of the desert air stacking up the quarters the greased creases in our clothes there's sugar on the pavement where the watermelons grow seeds will please the stream the cows might lap up in the sun the arsenic and cyanide might taste the same as a sugar gun 
dustbin, that's the way it always goes Stock the cupboards out for winter We got months till new things start to grow That song is titled Breathe from Heavy Gus's album Notions, which you can get through their website, heavygus.com. I will put the link in the show notes. Thanks so much to Dorota and Stealth. So good talking with you. So good laughing with you. Meaningful conversations about the darkest mortal things with lots of laughter. My favorite kind of way to connect. And... Here's someone who I do that with on the reg, Nick Jane. Hello, how are you? Hi, good. Good to Welcome. see you. Welcome to another ending of an episode. Thank you. How does it? How does this one find you? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, these are my good friends. I officiated their wedding a few years ago. Stealth is one of my best friends. It is just nice to get to hear somebody else talk to your friends and get the perspective of like. You know, I knew about like their hard year of people dying, you know, but like when you're, and I didn't, I know some of those people, but not a lot of them who died. Um, but when you hear somebody recount it all and tally it up and tell it all in perspective, it's like, oh shit, I, mm. I remember that. But like, I didn't realize like how hard that must've been to like go through mm-hmm. that year uh, totally, you know? Um, yeah. So it's nice to just get that perspective of somebody on the outside, you know, uh, telling your story to somebody on the outside who wasn't around at that time, you know? 
Yeah. Well, how, how rare to get to kind of do that at all. Um, Sometimes you're life. so close to people that you never get the full summary of like, it's like both ways. Yeah. You like either don't know them well enough so it doesn't come up or you just are so woven in. It's, it's almost assumed, you know, all the parts and yeah. And all the pieces. Yeah. 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 I feel like lately with the last open mic, I articulated this, um, just the, the idea that, a, a one specific reason that probably wasn't very conscious when I started doing these events. One specific reason why I started doing them was to be able to, to tell the story of my mom's death, specifically that part of mm-hmm. her, her, her life <laughs> and how rare it had been up until that, that moment, maybe the first time I did it at an event that, that I'd done it, you know, at all to anyone since maybe a bereavement group or, or maybe, maybe an exchange with a new friend who I felt willing to be visible and vulnerable with, but mostly it's just tucked away in you and Mm -hmm. and no one hears those things. And so I love the podcast for that reason that we could have talked endlessly about a lot of stuff and especially about music and their being musicians, but we barely talk about that. And I just think this show we've created fits a niche that is for that you know, like, let's talk about that stuff. And it is so important for their story, all those things they shared in that conversation. It's so important for their music to acknowledge all that stuff. It's, it's like in it. And when do we get to say so? Yeah. Yeah. Also like editing it. Like I know these people really well and I don't think you've really met them or hung out with them in person that much. Um, no. but you just instantly, I just really appreciate how quickly you can just like be on that same level of friendliness with people in these interviews. It's, I, it just, it seems obvious and natural, but like when I think about it, I'm like, it's hard to just show up on a zoom and like get to the jokey relating level. Hmm. Maybe the subject matter helps to break the ice a bit, but like, probably, um, I, I appreciate that you're able to do that. It makes this whole podcast work. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think so. You know, I, I appreciate the acknowledgement and, and not to boast, but just to, just to articulate it in my own terms, I think it's a little bit of a superpower and, and it's, and it infuses a lot of what we do with you're going to die this, this way that I can come into something freshly as often with strangers and somehow leave that experience feeling like we know each other deeply and, and that we all get to share that, you know, and hopefully even the listener uh, got to share that just by being with our conversation. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. Thanks for connecting all those community parts. It's wild, the network of musicians, uh, that, that are connected and, and that I am honored to, to like be part of that web. Yeah. There's more, um, There's more out there. what's that? <laughs> Say There's more of them out there. Oh yeah. 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 For sure. <laughs> more to come everybody. Um, before we go, Nick, do you have anything on your mind you want to talk about? Well, I had kind of like a big question. I don't know if we have time. For oh, it. okay. Let's see. <laughs> Let's see. This will be our challenge. We'll see if in under five minutes just, we can handle it. You big could just give like your, your first thought, best thought. You can change your answer later and come back to me. But like, <sighs> okay. I was just, I was one, I was thinking about you yesterday and wondering, you know, all the unfairness of people dying too early and grief, but then the sacredness of connecting with people of grief and, uh, you know, um, just the fact of life that we all have to die, as this podcast says. If you had 
godlike powers and you could change one aspect of the entire process of death, dying, grieving, anything at all, include up to and including like people never die or everybody's guaranteed a hundred years or, you know, have you ever thought about that? Like, like, would you, is there something that you would change specifically? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Is that too big of a question? I would, I would love to hear just your first reaction mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. Well, the timing is really tricky because I feel like I'm in the midst of some personal stuff and, you know, some of the work we do as recently as yesterday, some news, um, in the, in the, from the midst of my family, you know, came out and I'm not ready to kind of go into the details about that, Mm -hmm. but, um, also just some of the prison program work specifically. And it just all feels very hard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the end of the day, literally the end of yesterday, uh, by the way, (laughs) just to call back to recent episode, the day started with me deciding that a fish... (laughs) A fish in the fish tank, which was attacking the new neons we bought a couple of days ago, needed to be returned to the, the <laughs> fish store. I actually started my day <laughs> by removing that fish from our little community and and just, you know, making a choice yeah. like godlike, mm-hmm. funny enough, you know, this reaching down into the community and being like, you will be removed. Yeah. You you don't belong here. You're too dangerous. Everyone else is threatened by you. Um it was an act that felt like, wow, I, I, I think up until I decided uh, that morning, yesterday morning, that I was going to do that, it felt like I was just going to let it let hap- happen what will happen mm. and likely would have led to these neons getting killed, you know, by this fish. Mm-hmm. And if you all have been listening to the podcast episodes, uh, the fish that got removed might might have been responsible for another fish's death. Uh, see Sophie Strand's episode if you want to listen to me get very emotional about that. But it's a, it's a good thing to share that starts the day. Cause I really did actually like make a change that I think was right. Good. And, um, I could actually have like power of, of choice in and am glad and grateful. Cause now we have a calmer fish tank, which was the whole point in the first place. Mm-hmm. But right after I left that, uh, fish drop off, I had this news, I received it. And then I went into San Quentin. And so to answer your question from that, that, recent days worth of, of life and work. The thing I felt at the end of it all, as much as I really felt overwhelmed and incapable, truly like really even still today, raw and unsure in a lot of ways about these things that happen to us in our lives and, and the things we deal with in our work. The thing I felt though, and shared with Chelsea and, and two Tran, um, who also is a member of our organization during our weekly call, I told them all about the stuff. And the thing that I said to kind of end that share was that I really, you know, 
in a way, choose all of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I understand, of course, that part of why I, I can choose it so strongly and really accept it is because I can't change it. Mm-hmm. Other than maybe I wouldn't do the work. Other than maybe I could have chosen a totally different career. Mm-hmm. Other than maybe I could quit at any time. I mean, I just could. Or I could just turn off having to deal with even personal stuff. And so I guess as a way of answering your question right now, freshly from all that, there's just part of me that I think Chelsea really helped acknowledge and and clarify for me about who I am in all of this, which is someone who, despite all the questions and the struggle and the suffering and the heartbreak, still chooses, and I mean the question specifically, right? This like, why? Like, really? Like, is there anything we can like do? Should we just avoid this? Like, why are we putting ourselves, why am I putting myself in this position to say, well, as a, as a way of framing all this in an answer to your question, it's like, well, I wouldn't change anything, you know, like I know where I'm at and how all this is going is a part of what I'm being faced with to learn and deepen how I'm alive. And, and I still don't have answers today. Other than that, I think what I got yesterday, which is no, I don't want to have any of those powers. It's hard enough to deal with all this, let alone suddenly have to be responsible for the things that somehow just happen because they just do. And that's just how life and death is. And so I, I think my answer is no, I, I don't want to change any of it. Yeah. I know this is how I need to be alive. Yeah. And I know that the way I relate to all of it is a part of my healing because mm-hmm. some of the stuff I was feeling yesterday goes back to my childhood yeah. and, and probably before that, if you believe in that kind of thing. And so there's a part of me that, thinks, boy, I wish. Yeah, you're right. Gosh, we couldn't, we just stop death being a thing and suffering and grief. But I know that all that stuff is so woven to the most meaningful, joyful, wonderful, precious parts of my life that today I would wake up and be with my family, just getting ready for school and work laughing in the bright light of the kitchen, eating breakfast, packing bags and lunches and making coffee and just really feel those tears on the verge of tears at how in love I am Mm -hmm. with them and my life Mm -hmm. and knowing part of why is because I lived through a day like I had just the day before, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. That's, what I was, That's my answer for now. That's what I was hoping you'd say. <laughs> Quoted, oh my gosh, he's holding up what he thought my guess might be my answer. <laughs> and he wrote out almost word for word uh, on what the, I just said. On the newlywed game. Yeah, I have a <laughs> The newlywed game. <laughs> We're going to play that here. Um, it does make you appreciate, you know, if you think of death, the, the, the figure of death, capital D, death, as mm. like... A, a, a god figure or like an adult figure you know all the ways when mm-hmm. you were a kid and you're like man i would do this so different and then you get to oh, be yeah. an adult and you're like well it's more complicated you can't have pizza every <laughs> night you yeah. know can't just like run around all the time you know you have to be responsible like some respect for like that job mm-hmm. you think of it as a job of like man those yeah. are tough calls like that's that's a tough decision because you 
can't just let everything slide. Yeah. You got to draw the line somewhere. Not everyone can yeah. live forever and have an actual world that still functions, you know? Right. Um, it's a tough job. Yeah. And, and I guess, you know, certainly if, if I just expanded outside of death and dying, boy, sure. I'd love to like remove war. I'd love to remove like hate yeah. and the ways we hurt each other purposefully. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think your question made room specifically for like the infinite amount of things we could change. I think you mean to ask that question really related to like death yeah. and grief and loss. Yeah. Um, and they, that answer in the question totally connects just to bring it back to this episode and this conversation with Dorota and, and stealth. It's, it is part of how good we laughed in this conversation, I think directly correlates to how hard life has been mm -hmm. and, and that we got to talk about it and connect through that. Like you said, part of how we got to be together, like we've been friends forever is we just got to enter through that. And so in a way, like I wouldn't change anything, you know? Mm -hmm. And I say it a lot, like, boy, I'm so sorry, like for listeners that have come to this podcast because of their losses. I'm so sorry for what you lived through to get here, but I'm also so glad you're here, mm -hmm. you know, genuinely. Yeah. Like just saying yes to that. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for asking. Mm -hmm. And thanks for listening, everybody. Another <laughs> thought we'd get through this whole episode without me fully breaking down in tears, but it felt good to get that out. Thanks for letting me, Nick. And mm -hmm. thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.